Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to episode three of Hometown Glory's second season. We are your top of the league Spurs and culture podcast. I'm Charlie and joined by my wonderful pals Ash, Billy T, Rosa and Tom. Full crowd in tonight. On this episode, we will be surveying our 4-1 win over Southampton on Saturday. Billy will be rolling in the tweets with our own goal special. We'll cast quietly confident glances towards Stamford Bridge for the weekend. And of course, hand over this week's culture picks. Now, first things first, and perhaps most importantly, um, Jewel of the Fates is dead. Long live Enter Sandman. So mere days after we debated what we would all have as our walkout music in the stadium, Spurs have changed the game. Um, do we approve this seismic change? Ash, you've long been critical of some of the more dubstepy soundtrack hype videos inside the stadium before the players come out. Firstly, I want to know from you, do you approve of this sort of remarkable change? Enter Sandman is here. What do you reckon? I do approve, um, if only to get rid of the dubstep because it was so bad. Um, I do feel a bit weird about it, though, because I feel like they just change what happens pre-game every other week. Um, mm. So we had like the can't smile without you for a, for a few weeks and like people complained. Um, we had the like really bad ready or not dubstep thing, which I like, went on for like years, which was probably the worst thing that ever happened. I'm not sure if that's still actually, I don't think I was out in time, but we, uh, we do have like six videos still, don't we? Tom, was it still played that one, the ready or not one? I'm pretty sure I did walk into the, the final bit of the, the Ready or Not dubstep remix. And to be honest, I don't, I don't mind it. I, I'm not angry at it. But you're right. There, are, there is like six different videos and bits of preamble. And it all um, on Saturday, it felt a bit under kind of rehearsed as well. There were no graphics when mm. the guy, the stadium announcer, read out the team. Um, and then he did a sort of half-hearted "Come on, you Spurs!" as, as after announcing the last man. So it feels like, and Ash is right as well. I think we just need to pick something. Yeah. 
I would love to know what the problems were on Saturday with the graphics, the, and I'm struggling for the right description, but yeah, the kind of in-stadium graphics and sound stuff was all off, wasn't it? Like, Rosa, nothing worked. Yeah, everything got a bit sort of weirdly glitchy, didn't it? Because when, I can't remember what happened with um, Southampton's first goal, but definitely when Seth scored, it sort of flashed up goal, 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 goal for like what felt like five solid minutes. And I was like, did I, did I miss the announcement of the goal scorer? And then eventually it was like, goal, Ryan Sessignon. And then everyone was like, yay, again. So it was a bit I just weird. wondered if, um, it made me wonder that if there was some massive VAR check going on that they couldn't announce the scorer. Um, anyway, we're really concentrating on the important uh, issues uh, from our incredible victory on Saturday, just sort of whinging about this. Um, Riza, you have more to say. I just wanted to just have a, you know, I feel like a moment of silence for Jewel of the Fates because I've always hated it and I feel quite weird that it's gone. I'm like more than happy for it to be replaced with Enter Sandman. Like I don't have strong feelings particularly about that song, but I'm not sorry to see Jewel of the Fates go, but I also feel weird about it. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah, odd. change just is kind tough. of went without any, you know, no fanfare. Just see you later. Um, Billy, who do you reckon has, like, do you reckon Enter Sandman has been requested by, like, Conte or do the players get involved? Like, who do you think's made this decision? I kind of like to imagine that it's like a Conte decision, like, and mm. like, just rocking out to Metallica in the changing room. Um, I hope that the club have just been like, right, we're going to keep you here for as long as we we'll give you everything that you need. You get to choose the track. That's a massive deal in the contract, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I'm glad Star Wars, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan, but I'm fucking glad that's gone, to be honest, because just didn't feel right. So up the, up the Metallica. Okay, that's pretty much, I think, the final word that we needed on that. Um, did everyone have a nice match day, by the way? Was it good to be back in, in N17? Tom, how was yours? I think there was some extravagant drinks in your pre-match routine this, this week. Yeah, it was really nice to be back. I uh, had my um, Turkish popped in the blue coats for, uh, for a neck oil. And then we got into the, we sit in the south stand. We got into that kind of quite great, cool outside area that's really great at this time of year. Um, and the queue for the bar for the beers was really, really long. So I do have a confession and I feel like I should be doing it in the like the notes app on the iPhone and posting to my <laughs> social media like celebs do when like racist tweets from when they're a teenager have been found. Um, I this drank, is quite this is quite the setup. <laughs> I drank a pint of Pims uh, just before the game. Uh, I'm not uh, proud of it. It was eleven quid, and there wasn't even a single bit of strawberry in there either. Any um, fruit at all? Nothing. No, literally just ice. But. I did enjoy the Pims, okay? So I'm just getting it out there. I then went back onto beers when I got in the stadium. But um, yeah, I had I had a Pims. And I didn't, annoyingly, I didn't have a donut because I've seen pictures of some amazing donuts that were at the stadium. Um, I'm not mad at you for the Pims. No, I, it was a beautiful, that. like, really warm day. Um, something refreshing before, you know, a football match. Absolutely. No, don't need to be on beers all day long. I wish I'd been there. Like, again, I still haven't fucking made it round to that bit of the stadium. And now I wish I'd been in that lovely, like, outside area drinking a Pims. That sounds perfect. Next time for sure, okay? They do a pink Even if it costs me 11 well. quid. Okay. <laughs> What's that, Tommy? Yeah. A pink gin, okay. Pink gin or a normal gin. Gin, pink gin or Pims. It's a, it's a vibe, I think. 
Um, each week, Tom, I'm charging you with this um, sort of apprentice-style task of finding a more elaborate drink within the confines of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium campus. So, Pim, okay. pint of Pims this week. Next week, well, the choice of your is yours, but it needs to it needs to top a pint of Pims. I'm on it, and as we know, the neck oil taps are never pumps are never working. So uh, it's a it's a good task task to have. All right, good stuff. Um, Ash, you weren't at the stadium. You were the only one of us that couldn't make it, but you were at quite a cool sounding wedding. I was at, well, it was full of West Ham fans who were like breaking out into like random West Ham chants, just that, <laughs> which like wasn't very fun. But um, we, but it also had like MC Kai, UK Garage legend, and one of more fire crew. Nice. Um, up on the mic, um, which was very fun. But he is a Tottenham fan I, as well, isn't he? He's a Tottenham fan, isn't he? Is Definitely. he? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Amazing. I didn't know that. But um, yeah, it was very West Ham. And um, yeah, I was losing my mind when we went 1-0 down. Because I just, I, obviously I wasn't watching the game. Um, and I told like one of my godfathers who was like sitting next to me that we were 1-0 down. He's also obviously a huge Spurs fan. And he was like absolutely furious. Um, so it was quite fun to just like watch the scores like come in. Um, not know what was going on. So yeah, I missed it. I'm like very angry to like wait three years for like a 3 p.m. Saturday kickoff and then miss like it when it happens. Very, very angry. It was interesting because Ash is by far and away the sort of least flappable um, or sort of most unflappable, I should say, of our of our group on, on text usually. And to see Ash sort of asking quite frantically for updates or for um for kind of for, for clarification of our sort of hurriedly sent messages like what does this mean Has someone scored what's going on what's happening so um, no 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 it was it was nice to see that you are indeed one of us um and that you're not as as you know you're not cool 24 7 uh when it comes to spurs it does that to everyone um rosa we had a nice pizza in true craft and then we strolled up and um then we were all in the beehive afterwards weren't we which was very nice indeed it was honestly just a superb day from start to finish, really. Like glorious sunshine, going to meet you guys for a pizza, um, being sort of just having a random person. Little shout out to the guy who came over to us as well to say, don't want to interrupt, but um, love the podcast and enjoy the game. Thank you very much, sir. I don't know who you are, but that like really made my afternoon. So I knew, so it was just all good vibes from the beginning, wasn't it? And honestly, like, as soon as I got into the stadium, I just thought this is what I've been missing with all of the kind of, you know, stress of signings and the other nonsense that goes around football. It was just, that's what it was all about for me, well, for all of us, obviously. It was just a perfect day in the sunshine, wasn't it? And then celebrating it afterwards with you all in the beehive just couldn't really have been any better. It really is. Yeah, it's what it's all about. Um, Billy, did you have fun? Well, I had a bit of a day. Um <laughs> A bit, bit hazy in the memory, but I got to Tottenham at like quarter to 11, which in retrospect was may have been aggressively early. Um, ended aggressively up early, yeah. <laughs> aggressively <laughs> early. More on that later. Um, ended up drinking in the Volunteer, which is a great place. The beer garden was absolutely rammed and well good um, and reasonably priced pints. Again, probably more on that a bit later. Um, ended up going to Tottenham. I missed all the Enter Sandman for your I probably got in like literally just as we kicked off. Um, and then at half time, right? So I went down to the south stand, met a few of my mates, and that area that's just outside where you're allowed to smoke and stuff now in the sunshine is quite appealing. So we went out there, 
And then we just like sat down on the green, they have like these green chair, like green benches, like grass benches. And that was a real mistake because then we just like did not get up. And then it got to like 46 minutes and we could like hear this massive cheer going on in the ground. I think, um, did we score an offside goal or something like that? Yeah. And then we just like, should we just, should we just sit here for a bit? And then that ended up like transpiring to like 20 minutes later. And then we were like, should we just go to the pub? We didn't even, I literally did not see any of the second half. I can barely remember the first half. So I've been waiting for like years for this Saturday 3 p.m. kickoff and I can't remember any of it. I didn't even see the second half. So at the time, when the pub calls and you want to go there, it's great. But then the next day, you're like, why did I not watch any of the second half? And I missed like all the like Kulusevsky goal, I missed everything <laughs> basically. But it was, I'm sure that it was a great day. So it was just good to be back. Um, I look forward to coming to you in a bit for some expert analysis on the action. <laughs> yeah, I've watched the highlights. Don't worry, I have seen the highlights. Okay, good. Even, to be fair, even the first half that I did see, I, I actually can barely remember any of it. So, Good old Spurs players um, has come in handy. Um, we should get to it, the, the action. Um, Rosa, we go down a goal early. How did you feel at that point? Were you deflated? Were you stressed? Were you concerned? Yeah, I'm very pleased you've come to me with this because as one of the most flappable among us, um, I was not stressed out at all. Um, maybe partly because I'd predicted it. So I just thought this is fine. Um, I was feeling quite smug that your prediction was yeah, going so to like, come to pass. Fine. Um, well, you know, it's not going to be a problem. But I did. And, you know, partly, obviously, that's because we scored quite quickly afterwards. Well, it was only like eight minutes or something. But honestly, I just didn't really feel stressed at all. Like, I know there was definitely a period probably before they scored where there would seem to be a bit of kind of unnecessary fucking about at the back, a little bit mm. of sort of trying to kind of peak Barca our way out of it um, while not being peak Barca. Which, but looking back, that doesn't bother me because I actually feel like that was part of the plan anyway. And it's about not being pressured into making silly mistakes and not being rushed in um, out of defence, which doesn't is not going to work necessarily in the first 20 minutes of the first half of the first game of the season. That's fine. Um, so I could sort of feel that a goal for them wasn't the most unlikely thing to happen. So when it happened, I was like, okay, fine, whatever. But I honestly didn't spiral at all. And I didn't think, oh, it's going to be one of those days because we just weren't playing like that. And then we scored and just, and didn't look back at all. And honestly, the second half was just mostly about enjoying everything, enjoying the mm. day, enjoying our players, waiting to see if Kulisevsky was going to murder any of them for like spurning the 20 chances <laughs> he was offering them up. So but obviously Tom will get to that as well. Um, so I just didn't, it didn't worry me because they also all seemed pretty focused. There was so clearly a plan. There was no, Southampton didn't really get any time to rest at all. Every time a Southampton player had the ball, there was a couple of our guys on them. There was not any of that. Um, you know, how many times have you been sitting watching Spurs and one of our players will be trying to do something and someone behind you will be like, someone help him, mm. any, like any of you. And there's just no help is forthcoming. It just wasn't like that at all on Saturday. There was always like a follow-up player. They were hunting impacts. Yeah, they were, which is just, it's so simple, but we haven't seen that for about four years. So just the, the plan was clearly there. The attitude was there. And in the end, the result was there. So 
I don't know. I felt very weird about the whole day at the end. I thought, is this, is this what it's like to be like a city fan every week? Just kind of coming out here and like enjoying your team and having a lovely day. I mean, we kind of got a glimpse of it. I feel like there were certain games towards the back end of last season. It, the the whole match seemed very similar to the Newcastle five one, where we went a goal down and then responded really quickly and then just blew them away. And yeah, maybe we are just now that team that can dismantle, you know, these sort of slightly dodgy teams that can't defend properly and they're sort of cannon fodder for us. Um, one big difference, of course, was the five subs thing. And Tom, it was pretty psychedelic, wasn't it? When the, the, the four subs was made and it all went a bit sort of soccer aid. Yeah, it was very bizarre watching four subs come on in a... In a um competitive match. Uh, it was also weird because I think he sent three of them up um, to get ready to go on and then added a fourth really late on because they'd been waiting so long the ball wasn't going out of play. I mean, the, we were miles worse when, the, when those four players came on, to be honest with you. Um, Bissouma had a kind of debut to forget. Uh, and it was all just a bit bit shambolic. But yeah, I'm still reeling from just seeing four players come on. Like, it was so weird. Um, it was really fun seeing you after the game because you were clearly, like, truly shell-shocked by what you had just seen. And um, <laughs> The Pim Bill... felt as well. I, think, <laughs> yeah, I, was in, I was quite pimsed up. But it is going to be really weird, isn't it? I think second halves are going to feel properly sort of bitty and the flow of the game is just going to suffer potentially by, I guess, teams winning, trying to like just slow it all down and to stop the teams chasing the match, trying to build any momentum. And hopefully, as I think one of us said last week, Conte, um, Conte had a season of this at Inter, didn't he? And sort of, I think I read somewhere he was a very... Uh, sort of keen fan of using every single one of his five substitutes to sort of change matches and to slow them down and all the rest of it. So hopefully we've got a bit of a master with it all. Um, Billy, I want to come to you. It was a big day for your boy, uh, Emerson Royale. Um, what a day, really. I mean, he matched last season's assist tally on day one this time round, and also should have had two. If the Premier League need to stop this ridiculous weird tightness they have around passes that lead to own goals not counting as assists in my mind right like they should count double if anything because they've forced the goal like they have left the defender with no choice but to turn turn it into their own I mean this one perhaps not the best example that's, that's not what happened on Saturday <laughs> poor Salisu one of I mean truly probably the most silly own goal I think I've ever seen definitely live uh, and we will get on to some classic own goals that our listeners have served up for us um, in rolling in the tweets in a bit but anyway back to back to Billy T's main man Emerson Royale um, a pretty pretty good all-round performance right yeah man and um, they're robbing our boy of assists already but let me tell you we're coming for you Trent this is our season Emerson Royale taking over in the 19th, uh, early 19th century, or the late 19th century, actually, I want to take you back to Spain and then say to talk about talk about our boy Emerson Royale. Because when Pablo Picasso first started making pictures, I'm guessing the people that he showed them to were probably like, mate, these look a bit shit. What are you even doing with this? Doesn't even look like a human. Wouldn't even put them on their fridge. 
And it took a long time for people to realize that he's actually a genius. And I think the same has happened in November Samoyal right before our very eyes. It took him a season. Everyone was laughing at him. <laughs> everyone wondered what he's doing. But slowly, he's redefining what it means to be a fullback in the Premier League. He's got an assist on day one, and that is just the beginning. So Trent, Reese, James, we're coming for you. We're taking over. Um, all summer, we said on this podcast, we don't want to sell Amazon Real. Got the receipts of all that. And he's staying, and he's going to stay in the team, and he's going to redefine what it means to be a fullback in the Premier League. And this is only the beginning. Now, I obviously did not witness the overhead kick in the box. Um, and I'm kind of glad I didn't, because I'm pretty sure I would have collapsed. You know, like on Twitter <laughs> when people are like, oh, another crowd incident. Is it the vaccine? No, it's just someone witnessing Emerson Real do that in the box. That's what it would have been. But um, yeah, my guy has got an iconic performance and he hasn't even put out the compilation yet. And people are saying, is it because he's given them up? But I don't think, I think it's because like you don't even need to compile it anymore because you just watch the whole 90 minutes and you get Emerson Real for 90 minutes. You don't even need a compilation anymore. So yeah, iconic performance, but this is only the beginning for Team Emerson. Um, it wasn't his only iconic performance of the last couple of days because... Uh... Last night, a video broke online of uh, of another very special performance featuring our three Brazilians. Uh, Billy, tell us a bit about that. Right. So I don't know if you guys have noticed over the last year or so, but we've kind of been like building, slowly building like a Brazilian band. But it started off with people just like, well, there's a few videos like Emerson and Lucas Moore. And it's like, I think it's like a club in London or something where all these like Brazilians get together and they do songs. And then like there's a new one yesterday, Richarlison added. Um, and we've spoken about Richarlison's confidence before in this podcast, but this guy cannot sing at all, but he looks like he's having the time of his life and he does not give a shit about anything. Again, it's <laughs> more instance of the kind of confidence that we need if you're going to be a backup striker to Harry Kane. But I just want to shout out Emerson, yeah? So Emerson's at the back of this band and he's hitting, like, he basically just got a piece of wood and hitting it with a stick. And obviously I'm speaking from a teacher here, like, when you do a class assembly, there's always some kids that you just say to them, right, you just sort of stand at the back over there and sort of just, you don't actually sing, you just mime singing. And Emerson is just one of those people in this band. He's at the very back. He's hitting this brick for dear life, right at the back. No one, so no one can basically hear him. And I'm really sorry if you're one of the, if you ever go up to your kid's class assembly and your kid is at the back, it's not an accident. Trust me, it's not an accident. <laughs> that's, that's where your kid needs to be. So Emerson's at the back of this band, hitting that brick for dear life, but it is amazing. Make sure you check out that video. Hopefully... We're going to be able to put in some audio because it is something to behold. Billy, you've got more to say about Emerson Royal. <laughs> and my last thing I will say, I'll give you one piece of advice now, and that is put Emerson in your fantasy football team because we are going to be eating good this year. He's going to be getting assists, goals, everything, the lot. This is our year. This is our season. Wow. Um, that was that was quite the segment. Um, I don't know really where to go from there. I'll talk about the other side of the, the wingback coin over on the left-hand side, which, um, made, well, I was going to say maybe not as eye-catching as, as Royale's performance, but I think Cesc's kind of was, right? I mean, he had his first Premier League goal, which feels sort of mad that he's been here so long and he's he hadn't yet scored a Premier League goal, but he got that. Um, I love, 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 by the way, and obviously we'll go on to talk about uh, his rival for that position, Ivan Perisic, in a minute. But I love that Cesc uh, afterwards was talking about Perisic coming over to him during the warm-up for the match. And Perisic had clearly been sort of glaring at the Southampton players and figuring out who was playing where. And pointing out to um, to Cesc that Carl Walker-Peters is on the small side and therefore he should go up for any headers that come up towards the, the sort of near post and he would he would score so just go for a header against that guy he's not very tall 
go and you'll you'll win the header and you'll score a goal. And he did. Um and he was really, really good. And I think played like he had a sort of insanely fit, 12-packed, sort of 33-year-old, one-it-all Croatian sat on the bench sort of glaring at him for the entire match. Um, and it'll be really, really interesting. We'll go on to talk about the Chelsea lineup, but it'll be really interesting to see who wins the next round of that battle because Cess was, was really impressive. And Perisic certainly didn't, really he didn't have an awful lot of opportunities to sort of show off necessarily when he came on I thought in terms of opportunities to attack but he's just really good isn't he he's just so sort of impressive and he carries himself so well and his first touch is magnificent and he's such a presence um Rosa did you enjoy our first little Perisic cameo I did, but I, I thought I'd leave that more for you and also for Tom, who was uh, pretty thrilled by the sight of him just warming up at the time, I believe. Um, I just want to say, just go back to assess a little bit, because I don't want to say that I like manifested his first goal, but right before he scored, I was thinking back to our conversation about how Cess just needs like a great game and a kind of confidence-boosting goal. And so it was in my mind, and then like two minutes later, he scored. So, you know, I feel like the universe is in sync with me and also I've been really like pleased to check out his Instagram which is now full of like him out on the town and like getting a new haircut he's just like I'm I've I've done it now I've made it I'm 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 a man (laughs) I am really lovely wasn't it basically it was it was really lovely I felt be so happy he 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 seems over the moon and he seemed particularly over the moon because he admitted that he didn't go up for a header a couple of minutes before and he said, I knew that Conte would kill me over that one or that he'd be really mad with him. So he was like, I absolutely have to score the next one. And he did. And hopefully Antonio didn't yell at him too much. Um, but yeah, it's like a whole new Cess on on Instagram, isn't it? He's like just sort of bowling around like, like the man now. Um, I got a bit confused and perhaps showing my age when he, he Instagrammed about going to see Travis um, and I, for a split second, was like, he's gone to see Fran Healy's uh, late Britpop indie rockers, Travis. That doesn't seem very um, sort of 22-year-old footballer. What's going on? And then I realised it was Travis Scott. Um, but anyway, that's what being 39 does for you. Um, anyway, yeah, Tom Perisic, just complete dude, isn't he? It was, I loved seeing him come on. I mean, I think pretty soon after... His goal, Sessegnon got booked, didn't he? Um, and so I was kind mm. of relieved that it meant we'd definitely see Perisic for, for half an hour. Um, it was great to see him running down that wing. He looks totally unflappable and calm and was, for a lot of uh, the time, was playing as a, as a left winger with Davis sort of dropping in and covering the left-back position. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see more of him. Maybe he'll start against Chelsea. We shall see. Um, but yeah, like just seeing him warm up was like, shit, he scored in a World Cup final. Like, get him on. Um, I can't believe we've gone this long without really talking about the man of the hour. Um, Tom, I want to stay with you because I feel like you've been banging the, this drum, this particular drum for the longest time. So please, Tom, give me, give me, give me some Kulisewski love, please. Just let's talk about our, our glorious Swede. I'm just so happy he's ours. You know, we've got two... In Son and Kane, we have two of the most consistent and versatile forwards in the world. Like, genuinely, Kane and Son can do it all. Mm. When we bought Kulusevski, I think... I don't think I'd heard of him, genuinely. 
knew knew nothing about him. He's 22. Um, Juve fans seemed weirdly happy that we'd taken him off their off their hands. And also, our you know our record of buying forwards from abroad has hasn't been good as we've discussed previously. Um, the last one being Berg, probably, and that didn't that really didn't work out. And Vinicius, anyway, he just has hit the ground running. He was like astoundingly good on Saturday. I think sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes in, I was thinking he's been by far our best player. I'm mm. sure. You know, he can't continue at this pace all game. Son and Kane will come into it. Son came into it a little bit, got his assist. But generally, it was a quiet day for Son and Kane. But he just made up for it. For it, He can do everything. And as I think you, uh, Rosa, maybe touched on earlier, he should have had five or six assists, really. Um, I, yeah, I'm just sh- so chuffed he's ours. He's still 22. And he's kind of now undroppable in that third forward mm. really isn't he um just as we've bought a you know the best the sort of uh best forward we've bought in ages in Richarlison and Prem Proven and everything but what a great problem to have like cool he was so so good on Saturday blew me away like what a, what a dude I don't think any of us were quite expecting him to take the leap that he's taken right I don't think I mean Billy, I know we thought he was good, but he just seems to now be, I think we touched on last week, he seems to be completely comfortable in that sort of powerful but gangly frame of his, his sort of cumbersome but skillful. Like It all seems like so Frankenstein's monster with him, and yet it comes together in this like mad package that you can't really defend against. Yeah, I think we are generally witnessing like the birth of a, a Premier League star. Um, I think he's going to become one of the best young players in the Premier League. Well, I think he already is one of the best young players in the Premier League. But I think he's going to become one of the best players in the Premier League. I think since he signed, um, we've scored more Premier League goals than anyone else. That came out today. We scored, I think we scored 51 goals in, in 2022, which is pretty much about when he joined. And um, that's one more goal than Man City. Um, and it, it's just the way that he compliments Kane and Son so well that is really, really special. And I keep saying it, but this guy is 22 years old, which is crazy. Like, he's surely got to be one of the front runners to win Young Player of the Year this year if he carries on playing the way that he's playing. Um, but that cross that he put in um, for the goal was insane. Like, that was a like KDB level cross. Um, but he can score as well. And the thing is with Kudicesky, like you know what he's going to do. You know he's going to mm. put it onto his left foot and curl it into the corner, but he just knows how to do it every time. Like the defender can know what he's going to do all they want, but he still doesn't stop him from doing it. And like I saw someone on Twitter talking about like his style of passing is like impossible to defend. Like he's so like unique in style, but you just can't defend against it. Like you know what he's going to do. You can plan for it, but you just can't stop it because he's that good. One thing I should have mentioned as well is just that he saved his goal, his first home goal for not only the first day of the season, but the South stand like in front of the South, like, and what a banger of a goal it was. Like, I love him. I loved it because it was like the quintessential Kulisevsky goal as well. It was like absolutely his trademark and it was such a good moment. I thought it was Kane for a second. I'm all the way down the other end of the stadium. So I had a sort of delayed gratification when I realised it was actually Kulisevsky and went sort of doubly mad. Can I just shout out the fact that I've, I've missed, just from listening to you guys talk about today, I've missed the Perisic debut, which you know, I haven't really thought about. I've missed the Kulisevsky goal literally right in front of where I sit. And I've missed the Emerson Royal assist and overhead kick. So don't be an idiot and go to the pub during football matches is the lesson we have learned from today. 
Or is this the new Billy, you can't come back into the stadium and that way we win games? I mean, I'm <laughs> willing pass, to try I pass the best willing, to you, my friend. I'm on holiday for the next two weeks as well. So if we win all of them, I'm never coming back again. Um, um, I've just got a couple. Can I just say a couple? Of, of course you about, can, Rosa. Of course you can. Thank you very much. The one thing um, about him being so young, right? He's the same age as Phil Foden. Right. Um, and I have to say this because I was talking about him with um, Ollie earlier and he was just like, think about all of the praise that Foden gets and they are the same age. Right. And it will be really interesting to see what happens with Kulu this season, because I feel that he has gone under the radar a little bit with us and with the kind of wider football world as well. Like we're sort of only just starting to realise the kind of, brilliance of the duel that we have sort of accidentally ended up with do you know what I mean? it's a bit like we sort of were we were kind of given like well he I felt like a panic buyer didn't he like we lost yeah. Luis Diaz and then we all I mean I remember it well we were all everyone was sat there like oh which Juve reject is Paratici going to turn to oh it's that Swedish guy we've been linked with on and off for 12 months oh great he sounds rubbish and, it, and even and you know after his out, first he... few his first few appearances like Ash, I remember us all watching him those first couple of games. It was like the Brighton Cup game, then that like double header from death of the Southampton and Wolves defeats. We all thought he was rubbish, didn't we? He was really bad. And I was like, Paratici. I mean, it's weird how it's kind of turned around because at that time, like Paratici was sort of like a disaster. Mm. Like, Romero aside, it was basically, yeah, that was like, it. Brian hadn't really like done anything like the, the, the keeper was like rubbish. Um, yeah, it was just like really bad. And Juve fans were sort of like thanking him for like taking these like two players from them who hadn't worked out. And now they're probably two of our best players. So it's kind of, it's, and like Paratici is now a genius. So it's weird how it's worked out. But like Billy said, I think he's sort of up there now in the conversation with like the Sackers and like the Fodens as like one of the best young players around. So yeah, I, I I can't wait to see them. Like th- that front three across the full season is going to be incredible. And I think it will be really interesting because I do wonder if now there will be more attention on him from opposition teams and how that mu- and how that will affect him because I think he has benefited. You know, there's so much focus on Kane and Son, mm. and defense is thinking, oh, we need to worry about those two. But now it's becoming clearer and clearer how much of a threat Kulisevsky is. And I, I wonder if there will be a point in the season where he might struggle a bit for a period. I think he'll come through that, no problems in the end. But I, like, I wonder if there's going to be sort of... Some growing pains. Like, and, yeah. yeah, a few more, like slightly just from the fact that there will just be so much more attention on him. I suppose the good thing about that, though, is that if defences suddenly feel like they've got to you know, double-team him or be worried about him for 90 minutes. That just means that Son and Kane get a bit more freedom yeah, to do their stuff. The other two. Yeah, <laughs> and we've got, and there are three now, and it's it's incredible. I know we're about to move on to Chelsea, but I just wanted to say, just before we finish that, is I just really want to shout out Ben Tunker as well, because I thought he was like absolutely yeah. excellent. And like, like football, when you think about it, it's, just, it's a simple game. If you can keep the ball and pass it, it's, that's all a midfielder needs to do at times. And he just does all the simple things really, really well. And like, 
we've had such a stark contrast over the last few years, in particular in the centre midfield, where we haven't had players that can do that effectively. And he just does everything really well and really efficiently. And it's made such a big difference to our team. And he was so good. And he mm. always is just like keeping it simple, but getting the job done. And that is what we've needed in midfield since Dembele left. Um, and we're just seeing huge benefits from it. I just think he's been, so, again, he's another one like Kuliseski that's going under the radar a little bit. Um, I know in, in our preview pod, we were talking about, you know, who's going to be the midfield too. But if he plays like that, you, there's no way he can be dropped. Um, I think he's sort of certifying it's going to be Benton going someone else at the moment from what it looks like. Yeah, and fair play to Hoybier as well. I thought he came into the game... He just got stronger and stronger as it went on. Some of his passing was absolutely delicious. I thought that little sort of chip pass over for a chance that Kane had in the first half was really nice. He sort of stepped away from his man and put Royale in for the Kulisevsky goal. He's He goes under the radar sometimes with his creativity, I think, Hoybier. And actually some of his sort of mid to long passing is really is really high quality. And as we've said on this podcast many times before, he is such a teacher's pet when it comes to coaches and clearly they trust him to execute their plan to the letter. I think it's going to be really hard for uh, Basuma or Skip to dislodge those two. Um, and I guess that sort of takes us to a, you know, to talk about that depth that we now have. And Ash, I mean, you look at the bench, you look at the fact that Richarlison was suspended. I mean, he would have like just been like a man possessed, I think coming on with half an hour to go, on Saturday, it was actually a real shame that he, he didn't get to sort of make his debut in that environment. So I reckon he might have got a couple of goals, but it's pretty exciting, right? Do you, I mean, I was thinking today, particularly if you think it does seem like we might sign Zaniolo or another sort of attacky midfielder, forwardy type person to sort of round off those options. I don't know that I've, if that does happen, I don't know that I will have seen a more complete Spurs squad than what we're probably going into this season with. Do you think that's fair? I think in my sort of lifetime, that's definitely fair. Um, at the wedding, like the Wi-Fi wasn't working and we were trying to like load the team news on Twitter and my dad was getting really angry that it wouldn't load. And he was like, who's on the bench? Just tell me who's on the bench. And I like read the bench out to him like mid-wedding and he was like, that's a really solid bench. And mm. it's probably the best. I, I always moan about like the bench, like because I think like the bench like, is a really good indicator of like where the squad's at. And the bench for like the part, even like Conte, it's been really bad. Mm. even during Pochino at times it was really bad so to see like that bench and all the options that he's going to have this season is amazing and if we can bring in that other player um, yeah it's going to be completely nuts um, it's going to be completely nuts does anyone else have a sort of just slight feeling of like vertigo about all of this I feel <laughs> we're, we're top of the league <laughs> well, yeah that's it but we're good We've got we've got a strong squad. We kind of picked up um, where we left off from last season, sort of just having these like pretty smooth games against weaker opposition. I feel, you know, we have these kind of magical players that we've got that the other that another team just basically gave us. And so we don't want these guys. You can have them. Like I feel sort of wobbly thinking about it all. You know. I don't really know. I don't know what to do with it. I don't. I don't know like how to feel about this really, except a little bit scared. Um, Rosa feels so wobbly that she just whacked her light off her uh, <laughs> table. Yeah. I think my light That's... was like, um, yeah, man down. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> 
my my only sort of thing that's bringing back to reality is I think Southampton are really bad. Yeah, they were atrocious. We should, you know, we should yeah, caveat a lot of this with that. I, I wasn't there, but like, I think they're they're really bad, and I think they're probably going to be in the relegation like conversation. So, um, I know that we didn't get like the three points that last season against them at home, but yeah, that that's sort of I want to see us against Chelsea, and like that will be a good test to see where we're at as a team. I think we'll struggle to face a team that are more ideally set up for us to face at home in terms of they played exact, they tried to mirror our formation, but with worse players, they didn't seem to have one proper forward on the pitch at any time. Um, It was just various quite average players called Armstrong that they kept seeming to rotate. None of whom had any sort of goal threat. And I think you're right. They will probably be bang in trouble if they don't make a few signings um Chelsea won't be in trouble this season though well maybe they will be in trouble for the top four race which a lot of people seem to be tipping them to struggle with um I feel like Chelsea are like one of those sort of characters in a horror movie that you think you've killed off and yet they just keep coming back relentlessly over and over again and I'm sure before the end of this month, they'll have signed another couple of players for 75 million and suddenly things will be looking a bit rosier. But my question, I guess, is this a good time to be going to Stamford Bridge and playing Chelsea as they do seem to be a bit in flux? Tom, I guess all we want really is one goal, right? After four games, zero goals, which was kind of your sort of mantra for a while last season, could have become a, a T-shirt for you. Do you yeah. think we'll score a goal? <laughs> I was almost, I'd almost got over the four games and zero goals thing. Um, and then I was kind of hopeful that the whole club would be closed down, which would have been fucking amazing. And yeah, somehow they've got through the being owned by Putin, essentially being owned by the Russian state. They still exist. Uh, and they've still got money to spend. And apparently like, one headline was like, they're spending 300 million or something. But, and I was quite pimsed up in the uh, in the beehive garden with Rosa and Charlie uh, and some other people. Well, they didn't look that good against Everton, did they? In their weird sort of QPR-ish away shirt. Mm. Um, I was worried Sterling would be brilliant. He's in my fantasy team. Um, he didn't do a lot and they just, they still didn't look that great. I know they, I know they beat Everton who were obviously terrible and Delhi, Delhi came on, uh, which Charlie was happy about, obviously. Um, but yeah, someone confirmed to me that they weren't that good. They, they weren't that good. They looked a bit disjointed. They didn't have to do an awful lot to beat a good awful Everton team that, probably will also be banging trouble with Southampton this season unless they sign a few extra players. Um, Billy, are you confident going into Sunday? Um, well, the good thing about being in a pub for the second half is I did actually manage to see all of the Chelsea game. and I did not think they looked that good. Um, but it's just one of those things like Chelsea are just like a horrific side for us to play. Mm. We never, we never do well. We've won there once in like pretty much my entire lifetime. Um, even when we were very, very good with Pochettino, like we just did not win at Chelsea. Uh, even when we were very, very good with Harry Redknapp, we just did not win at Chelsea. So I'm hoping this will be the difference. I think it, it, it could not have come at a better time to play them for us because we're at the sort of, and the good thing about us is a lot of people at the beginning of the, um, 
the Southampton game were complaining about the fact that we were playing the same 11 as we played last season. But I actually think that works in our favour because our players know Conte's system inside and out. And Chelsea, they've had a lot of turnover. Um, they've got a whole kind of new defence going back there. But I still think Thiago Silva had a really good game against Everton. Koulibaly is just a really good player, so he's going to come in straight away. Mm. They've had a turnover in their team. So it's a good time to play them. It's a bad time to play us. So I think... If we were ever going to do it again, now is the perfect time. So do you know what? I think it's not going to, it's definitely not going to be a walkover. It never, ever would be at the bridge. But I do think we've got a good chance of doing it this time. And if not, I would very much just take like a nil-nil, get out there and go home. Yeah. Give me a prediction. Um, I think we're going to win 3-2. I think we're going to wow. win 3-2. I think we're going to score a lot of goals and they're probably going to, you know, Sterling will probably score a couple against us. But I think we're going to win 3-2. Um, Rosa, your prediction, please. Um. One all. I just I don't feel like we're going to win. To be honest, I think it is a good time to be playing them, and I'm very glad we're pl- we're going there first when it sort of when it just doesn't matter as much. I think it's much more important that we play them later on in the season at ours when it mm. when we're going to really really need those points. And when I think you know, hopefully, if we carry on as we are, we'll beat them at ours. I just it just doesn't seem to matter. Like they just have such a like stranglehold on our psyche that we can't get out of so I mean to be honest I like a draw is fine with me I you know I we scored zero goals against them and conceded what eight last season so you know one all is a massive massive improvement um Tom are they similarly rent free in your head Chelsea are they up there with West Ham or beyond West Ham even Sort of beyond West Ham, they're just so evil, aren't they? Um, but well, so yeah. give me your prediction. Give me your well, prediction with, with Richarlison on the bench as well. I te- I'll, I'll go two one, but that does rely on Romero and Dyer, especially uh, and Hoybier, actually, just kind of um, yeah, putting in some ridiculous tackles. Um, and I think probably we should just stick with the same eleven, shouldn't we? Really, we were we were so good. Uh, with that 11 the other day and then have I mean the only one I might change is Perisic he's so experienced um, Mm. in big games and I don't think that is a slight on Cesc I know he scored those positions are meant to be rotated Perisic yeah in a big game and then having Richarlison coming off the bench is obviously so important as well I think the whole point of having a squad like this right is to pick the, the team that suits the occasion and I'm leaning towards feeling that Perisic is probably the right guy to go to Stamford Bridge, not have some weird, you know, hex over his head because he's been there, done it in a way that maybe I'm being tough on Cess, but you could potentially see him getting a bit sort of cowed by the atmosphere and the occasion. Maybe, maybe I'm being really, really harsh on him there, but I just like the idea of Perisic sort of going in, not being fussed by any of it, just taking no prisoners. Yeah, I don't think um, I don't think Cesc would be Caldwell because he's put in some great performances at Liverpool and City. That's but, very true. Okay. Yeah, I, turns out I'm being incredibly harsh on him. That's that. That's but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. He's still a little baby, so I do understand. Um, but I also I totally get what you're saying about Perisic because he just it won't bother him. He'll mm. just walk in and it will just be it's just another ground. Yeah, which to him, which it won't be to us. Yeah, Ash, would you change anything? No. I keep it exactly the same. I think like that team deserves to start after yeah, that performance. That's I true. Think, like, I think maybe 
yeah, you can switch up the wing backs and like Richarlison can come on for a period because I think like those games are kind of made for him. Um, so mm. I'd, I'd go with the same eleven that started the, the game. Yeah, give me I a would, prediction. I, give me a prediction quickly as well, Ash. I think two 0 because I think Conte hates Chelsea more than any of us, um, and I think he probably spent most of the summer when he wasn't, I don't know, wakeboarding or whatever he was doing, like thinking about this game. So yeah, I think we're going to do it. Conte can will be something else if if we do do it when it would be unreal. I'll do my prediction quickly. I think we're going to win three one. I think it's going to be one of those incredible days. Um, we'll probably go behind again, but I can just see Kane and Son sort of rising to the occasion, and then Perisic to put the put the cherry on top for the third. I reckon because um, I, I honestly think we're that good now. I just feel so happy to watch a team this this confident and functional, and they know what they're doing and they're fit, and we're going to do it. Um, so there we go. That one's settled. Um, let's talk about something less scary, more ridiculous. Um, Billy, what are you rolling in the tweets with this week? Right. So after the Southampton game, um, I'm reliably informed there was an own goal during that game. We did not witness it. But we said after Saluso's wonder strike, I'm a- we're asking today, what was your favourite Spurs own goal? Can be ones we've scored from or conceded? Now, we have... Freaking loads of these, man. I did not realise there have been so many own goals, like for and against us. Um, so thank you very much for everyone that sent them in. I'll just read out a couple from now. Um, Jimmy Wynn says, Toby's own goal versus Liverpool in 2019. In 90th minute, absolutely ruined me. Exasperated by Jamie Carragher shouting, Mo Sally, your little dancer. I don't think I've ever been so enraged in all my life. Took a long time to calm down from that. And of course, that has now been clipped as like an iconic piece of Sky commentary, which is now on their adverts um, at the hands of Tottenham own goal. That was horrible. That game was so horrible because we played really well that day. And wasn't it like Mother's Day as well? I feel like it yeah. was and it was that, awful. Was the first goal from like a dire mistake as well? Was that that, that goal where you sort of like, yeah, it was just, it was horrific. Oh. Another, another horrific Anfield day. Um, Tom says, for narrative alone, surely Crouch at the end, he had to lose top four a year after his goal gave us top four. Again, the only sort of thing that could ever happen to us. Let's pick uh, this up, Billy. We're doing some really miserable ones. I want some happy ones now, please. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Bishop says, Des Walker, FA Cup final, 1991. Any other answer is wrong. Uh, Jamie Temple That's says, up. Kane versus Swansea, which I think comes up. Uh, interesting stat about that one, which I remember hearing at the time, is that because of that goal, um, until the until Brentford came along, Kane has scored against every single Premier League side he's ever faced, including Tottenham. Um, I think now <laughs> now that he's played against, he hasn't scored against Brentford yet, so that's the only one he's never scored against, which is absolutely insane. Uh, Mike Turner says Steve Marbrant versus Sevilla in the UEFA Cup, which I have absolutely no memory of, but he said three minutes in and slifed an off-target header in. Um, Brian again says Kane, another Kane one Kane scored an own goal at the Stadium of Light that gave Sunderland a 2-2 draw I then spent the whole journey home arguing that we should sell Kane because he was never going to be anything more than the League One standards thank God we didn't listen to that Tom Middleton sa- says Reggie's edge of the box OG screamer versus Villa which does come up a few times again Brett same thing Reggie on versus Villa absolute wonder strike I kind of blanked that one out of my memory but I do Tom you were there for that game weren't you the Villa game that dreadful defeat 
Oh my God, the worst game I've ever been to um, with Mason managing and Regulon with maybe the one of the worst individual performances I've ever seen at a Spurs game. And it was that weird thing where there were there 5,000 fans in the entire stadium. And for some reason, we chose to spread them all out around the entire stadium as well. Whereas other, other grounds had kind of at least put them together. Anyway, yeah, it was horrific. Regulon was so, so bad that game. And there is one that this one comes up, but there is one that beats it. But this one does. This is probably the second most popular one. Trippier's tidy finish past Hugo at Chelsea. Speaking of Chelsea, today, um, Dominic says that one. I'm sure Jamie Carragher scored a few for us over the years. Again, that comes up a lot. Um, someone says the Sanchez own goal against West Ham two seasons ago to give West Ham a three-two deficit, only for Lanzini to score a screamer and at a time another horrific game. Which I, oh my god, I blanked out my memory. I, I think it says a lot about Spurs fans, by the way. That and Billy, you're right. We had so many replies to this tweet and just proves what incredible listeners we have, of course. But the fact that the majority of the answers are ludicrous, horribly embarrassing, excruciatingly painful memories of Spurs scoring own goals to give the opposition a, head, a heads up, I think just sort of says a lot about our psyche, our um wonderful sort of self-deprecation and gallows humor so up the Spurs fans as always and and speaking of exactly that so if you find our tweet right so you've got to find the reply Toronto Spurs replies to it saying there is only one correct answer here and this is by far the most popular answer and I actually can't remember this game whatsoever and I can't remember this goal but seeing Toronto Spurs put a video of it which you have to check out because it's literally the only kind of goal only we could score and he says there is only one correct answer here and Ollie says, um, for the same goal, Lennon boosting the ball off a line only to hit Gareth Bale in the face with it and send the ball flying in, which I can't really remember, but there is an absolutely brilliant video of it and the reply to our tweet from Toronto Spurs. And that is probably the most popular answer um, that came up. And it is just the most absolutely ridiculous. Um, that's the best we've conceded. The best we've scored is Bentner's thumping header in the 5-1. And a special mention to the prolific Jamie Carragher, who has as many Premier League goals for Spurs as Liverpool, which is another great stat. Um, <laughs> Hotspur Memory says Ginger Pele's blinder in this, which is Tottenham 4, Leicester 4, a classic Doherty own goal. Uh, Chris says Mabbitt's knee. Uh, loads of shouts of Bale off his face. Uh, Harry Sherlock says Maguire at Old Trafford before Romero gave it the big one. Would have been incredible if we'd have won. Um, Caroline Stefko says, have to go over and own goal that happened in one of my favourite Spurs matches ever. The 3-2 away win at Aston Villa in February 2020. Alderweireld scored an own goal, then scored one for us, and we went on to win with a sunny brace, including a stoppage time winner at the broken arm goal, which was another classic game. Um, Tommy Cordery says, can't can think of can think of at least Jamie Carragher ones off the top of my head, but also remember Bentner getting up really well for a header too when we battered them lot 5-1. And yeah, so again, loads and loads of shouts for that Bale one. And if you haven't, make sure you check out that video in reply to our original tweet. Amazing. Um, I love doing this because it brings back an awful lot of memories, both glorious and horrific. Um, and that's why I love our listeners. Thank you very much. Um, let's move on to culture now. And I want your weekly picks. Um, Ash, give me yours first, please. Uh, mine is a song by Kate Renada and Anderson Pack called Twin Flame. Um, and I was going to suggest like a few albums, um, but I never actually got to them because I just play this song on repeat. Um, and I think like Kate Renard is like reaching that sort of like Dilla-esque level, like in terms of like production now, um, where everything he does just sounds incredible. Um, He's had an it, interesting sort of trajectory, hasn't he? Because it felt like he was the hot new thing sort of five or six years ago. And then 
sort of keep steadily releasing things with not less interest each time, but he seems to now have hit that kind of, if you know, you know, kind of level without ever threatening to become super mainstream. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Although he is like selling out, I think he did like Brixton um, like a few weeks ago and he just sort of rocked up and DJed, um, which is like probably like a really good money earner. Um, but yeah, like he's a really special producer, I think. And mm. like, it's, it's weird. Like you said, like he started off in that sort of like vibey selection, like sort of crew and yeah, like only last year managed to get like the best or the year before the best, like new Grammy, like nomination. Um, it's very, very strange. Um, but yeah, the, the track is amazing. And Anderson pack, I think is just in amazing form as well. So it's definitely mm. not. Good stuff. Thank you very much, Ash. Um, Billy, yours, please. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that because I was I was so close to choosing that song as well, but I changed it at the last minute. Um, I've also gone for two songs just because like the sun is shining at the moment. So I've gone for two like sunshine bit disco bangers. One of them is from Purple Disco Machine with a French uh, disco drummer called Soron, who I think is a legend in like the French disco scene. But they've just got a track called Summer Lovin', which is like pure disco vibes and it's like brilliant especially in this weather and the other one is um from a producer called Porsa, who is um co co-runner of a label solid groove and he normally makes like tech house bangers but this one is like it's kind of like funky and it's not uk funky like the original sense of the word funky and it's way different to his normal sound but it's really really good i think it's got like an old sample in it um because he's known for like all his samples in his music but it's called room service um and it's just a totally different sound for him and it's really really good uh, I went to see Bullet Train. I was thinking that was going to be my culture pick, but it just wasn't very good. It was like a sort, really? of, it was sort of like a tribute to Tarantino and Guy Ritchie. Um, and it did not, wasn't as good as either of those two directors. And it was just sort of a bit disappointing, really. But next week, I'm going to see Nope. And I'm also going to start watching Sandman on Netflix, which is apparently really, really good. So I'm looking forward to seeing those. I was wondering if Nope was going to be your pick this week. So I'm, I'm looking forward to your take next week because I would love to see that at the cinema can't before wait. it yeah, disappears. It's going to be, well, I've seen a few shouts that it's better than Get Out. So let's see, let's see. All right, good stuff. Rosa, you're up. Yeah, I'm just carrying on with my um, book corner, basically. So um, the writer Jennifer Egan released a novel about like 10 years ago now called A Visit from the Goon Squad, which was amazing and won the Pulitzer Prize, I think, and was a sort of, um, it was a novel, but it was also kind of linked stories from kind of different characters' points of view. And I loved it so much. And so a few, it's so good. So, you know, so there's a sequel. I didn't know that. No, like and I loved what, that book and I feel like it kind of went under the radar a bit and I've recommended yeah. it to people and yeah. Oh my God, this makes me work. so happy. Okay, so this is going to make you happy. This is a sequel called The Candy House, um, which came out a couple of months ago and I am about halfway through it now and it's just as good. Like it's absolutely, it's just so fascinating. She kind of carries on with those sort of weird kind of futuristic tech themes that she had in the other book so she has this sort of one character has this idea of um where you cut everybody uploads their consciousness and you kind of get to look in everyone's memories which is a very very creepy but sort of slightly realistic idea of where we might be heading in the future but ultimately none of it would work if you didn't believe in the characters and believe in all of these different interesting people whose lives are sort of disparate but linked 
Um, it's just, it's really, really, really brilliant. If you loved A Visit from the Goon Squad, you'll really love this. There's a, you know, there's characters that are related. You don't need to have read it, but it will be, but if you loved A Visit from the Goon Squad, you will be like thrilled to read this. Yeah, Jennifer Egan, The Candy House. Oh, I'm so pleased, Tom. That's made me so happy. I'm like, I can literally recommend it direct to you. Great. Yeah, great book. Uh, though I've obviously forgot everything about it, as I do any book I've ever read. But I yeah, I had to like bring up the Wikipedia page and be like, what happens in the other one again? I've just like, so I've got one book open because I finally got my all my books back from storage. They've all been in storage for about three years, but I've got no idea where my copy of A Visit from the Goon Squad is. So it's just like the Candy House and then the Wikipedia page. So it's you don't need it, but it is fun. Nice one. Tom, keep us going. Uh, well, I've just added that book to my basket on uh, Hive, and I've added, whenever Billy talks about music, I add the tracks while he's speaking, to be honest, to, to my library because he's got such great taste. Uh, I'd love to say I've been doing lots of really like cultural things, but mostly I just watch Below Deck. Um, so if you haven't watched like the trashiest reality show going, it's on like, there's some on Netflix, there's some on Amazon Prime via what's that extra thing you sign up for with the, all the reality shows. Anyway, um, they're on boats. It's kind of a yeah, reality show that is like so trashy. The new series, Can Captain Sandy's Back, you'll be pleased to hear. Um, they're on the med. There's a really useless bosun who's maybe the worst bosun we've ever seen. On what's a bosun? Um, they kind of run the deck. There's deck hands. They do all the like pulling of ropes and masts and i don't know they they do they clean the they like have a chamois on the on the deck sort of dogs bodies yeah they yeah exactly and the bosun is in charge of them so this okay. girl, i feel bad she's from essex and weirdly her name is raygun one word <laughs> raygun <laughs> is that her, her given name or is this a, a nickname I've no idea, but she's from Essex. She's properly useless. Uh, and then the chef and the chief steward are kind of having this on-off relationship. Anyway, if you need something that is so mindless and stupid, I can't recommend Below Deck enough. There are probably like 30 series. Each series has like 15 episodes. I've wasted days and days of my life watching it. Um I'm sort of I'm sort of tempted, but we've just finished. We've just come out of our sort of Love Island bubble of hate watching, and we vowed that is it. We're not doing it another year. This is the final one. Um, so I'm sort of desperate to now give my evenings back to actual proper telly. Um, the first thing we watched was Woodstock '99, the Netflix three-part documentary about the sort of ridiculous car crash that was the uh the 99 sort of Woodstock revival where they um they held it in a sort of air air kind of aircraft hangar so it was just like miles and miles of sort of tarmac it was sweltering heat the entire time they outsourced all the food and drink so these third party companies could charge an absolute fortune um so no one could really afford anything they booked like the sort of biggest bands of the day, which back then was like Limp Bizkit, Korn, all these sort of new metal people, which just basically meant that the crowd that attended were just these like ridiculously testosterone fueled sort of frat boy meathead idiots who eventually just kind of go feral, set everything on fire. 
I mean, I'm kind of giving away everything that happened. It's sort of out there. It happened a long time ago. There's no spoilers attached, really. But it's just an incredible watch in terms of how, like, badly something so high profile could possibly be run. And you can't believe how naive and stupid and greedy the the people that threw it was. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those sort of fun hate watches because you kind of can't stand anyone involved, really, from the attendees to the people that threw it. Um, so that's really good. We also started watching Blackbird on Apple TV Plus, um, starring uh, Taron Edgerton, who's turning into, I think, a really very, very watchable, bankable guy. I think since Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic, I've just sort of really enjoyed everything I've seen of him. Um, he plays a drug dealer that's been sent to prison. He's offered this sort of one-time deal where he's got to go into this super... Um, sort of terrifying prison, befriend this guy that is being is on the hook for these murders and try and get the guy to tell him where a body is is he's he's put one of these bodies of the of is girls. Because I, I want to see this. From the it trailer. is good, yeah. We've only watched the first couple, but it is good. I mean, I feel like whenever I recommend Apple TV Plus stuff, I should sort of caveat it with certain things, but um it is really, really good. And like I said, Taron Edgerton's just like such a watchable guy and Ray Liotta's in it. I think it's Ray Liotta's like final performance. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he plays his dad. I watched the first couple um, and then there are, it's a bit hammy at times. It is quite hammy, but I sort of don't, I don't mind having a hammy thing on the go sometimes yeah. with like other stuff. And I feel like it could become like quite a nice sort of I don't need to concentrate too much it's the got guy, Greg Kinnear in as well I love Greg Kinnear Greg he's Kinnear like one of my guys good. and the guy that plays the alleged psycho is very very good and he's good and yeah. terrifying at least in the first couple it's of interesting because it's got loads of good things about it but it is quite hammy at the same time and I can't yeah and I'm only two episodes in I can't quite yet decide if it's gonna just kick into a new gear because all the reviews I've read are really really positive about it and praise the performances and the scripts and everything more as i get it on blackbird <laughs> greg kinnear is an absolute treasure and that's just made me think that i haven't seen him in anything for so long so maybe i'll give that a go he's really good in it and he is basically playing greg kinnear like he that Sold. sort of affable sort of quiet dignity um you know sort of able to make a, a wry joke in sort of tough times, dependable Greg Kinnear. Um, yeah, just does his, does his thing and he's very good. Um, so yeah, that's my very long take on Blackbird on Apple TV plus much longer than I was planning. Apologies. Um, and that rounds us off. That's uh, episode three of season two of hometown glory in the books. Thank you ever so much, Tom, Rosa, Ash, and Billy T, as always, it's been a delight. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, we're very nervous, but very excited about Stanford Bridge on the weekend. We'll be with you next week to round that up. Billy, see us home, please. Up the Spurs. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.